Hello, and welcome to another episode of Road to Australia's podcast, The Hub. My name is Mitch Itter, and I'm the Corporate Affairs Manager here at RA. November 9 marks Road Worker Day of Remembrance, an opportunity to reflect on and pay tribute to those who have lost their lives while working on our road network. Road Australia is proud to support this initiative. As a principal partner of the Safer Australian Roads and Highways Group, we remain steadfast in our commitment to supporting measures that lead to improved safety outcomes for road workers. With this recent date in mind and the launch of the Australian Work Zone Memorial by the Traffic Management Association of Australia, now is a timely opportunity to share some snippets from our panel discussion on road safety at our transport summit held in Sydney earlier this year. The panel discussion was sp- proudly sponsored by Altus Traffic Australia and moderated by James Pennings, Chief Commercial Officer at Altus, who you'll hear from now, providing some background information on current initiatives and introducing the rest of the panel. Now, we've heard a lot about legacy outcomes, and I think one of the most important uh, legacies uh, of all the work we do is that we don't harm people, we don't kill people. The workers on our roads encounter enormous risks. We do that every day, and they're working uh, in and around live traffic, and it is a risky business. We have the will, we know the why, how do we get to zero? And that's going to be the theme of today's session. We're seeing a huge amount of transport infrastructure investment. These projects require a lot of people, a lot of new people to work on roads and they face the risk of suffering serious life-changing injuries or death. Roads Australia is bringing together industry and government together through its Road Worker Safety Working Group to work on improving the safety of these workers through four main areas of focus. The first is on procurement reform, not dissimilar the, uh, to what was mentioned in the previous previous session, but using contract mechanisms to incentivise bidders to put forward maximal safety regimes. We've spoken to a number of these bidders and we know that sometimes they hold back on what they would like to do for reasons of cost competitiveness. We need to remove that disincentive. Pre-qualification. We're providing detailed advice to Osroads as it seeks to harmonise pre-qualification frameworks for the temporary traffic management industry so that over time that we can get rid of the proverbial cowboy from our roads. Industry image and minimum standards. We know that the wheels of government can turn slowly, that standards and regulations move at a slow pace. We're looking at identifying consensus for new and emerging technologies and methodologies that we can summarise into an initiative and release to industry. And then finally, international collaboration, scouring the world, talking to experts from overseas and finding out what they're doing better. So this session will explore opportunities and innovations that can accelerate our efforts to meet the objective of zero deaths and injuries. I want to call the panel to the stage now and introduce them. Uh, We have Matthew Brenny, CEO of the Traffic Management Association of Australia. We have Lee Vossen, Traffic Manager for the Sydney Gateway Project, uh, working for Seymour White. And we have Jane Rotsey, General Manager, Health, Safe and Environment for Transurban. Panellists discussed trends in the road safety space in their introductions. Jane discussed vehicle-centred measures to increase road safety, including connected and autonomous vehicles. Lee, the importance of enshrining a safety culture on work sites. And Matthew talked about his experience when gaining on-site knowledge of traffic management. And I think if there was a way to propel ourselves forward to where we have um, connected automated vehicles and that we could control speed through work zones, I think that would be the thing that would be a big change. Um, We know from the research that we do 
in our um, and the data and analytics that we do that people don't comply. They don't comply with the red X and they don't comply with the speeds. So that if there was a world where we could get people to reduce to 40 or even to 30 uh, to protect workers who are on foot, that would be life-changing. I think it's a, a one-team culture on the project from top to bottom about not just building it around safety, but the success of your contractors is the success of the project. So if everyone feels collaborated and engaged in the project itself, that will filter down to behaviours and attitudes on site. From my perspective, traffic is trying to control the uncontrollable. So you can't bank on them to do the right thing unless you put the, the, the technical infrastructure in place to do it for them. So by taking ownership yourself and focusing on your situational awareness and, and the mechanisms and systems and processes that we have to try and protect ourselves when we're out there, building that storyline through a project from the top is fundamental. Look, I guess uh, my answer would be about speed. Um, I'm sure that everyone in, in the room would agree that you know, speed is the greatest danger for um, road workers. And talking to a few stakeholders in, in the last few months, um, obviously I spend a lot of time now working on traffic management and it is becoming quite clear to me that for a lot of people, drivers, or pretty much everyone in the room here, a lot of us believe that um, speed limits near road work zones are optional, advisory. And I was shocked the first time I heard about it, but it's a fact, you know, and they are not optional. We all must comply with them. So with regard to the innovation and what I would like to push in that respect, James, uh, I look at what is done in some states uh, in Australia, for instance, where um, speed feedback signs are mandatory. I think it's a great initiative, but I would actually encourage government to go even one step further. And if you look at what has been done in the UK uh, since 1999, Highways England implemented the TASCAR scheme. Uh, TASCAR stands for um, automatic, um, Temporary Automatic Speed Enforcement Scheme. Um, and it's a great technology. It's point-to-point -to -point, point -point average speed cameras, um, and you've got this compliance effect that um, arises when people know that they are being watched in a way. It's been a great learning curve, James. Um, as I said to you before and others, it's a very welcoming industry. But what I've come to realize is that even though I've got 20 years of transport on my resume, when I started to work um, in traffic management, it was a brand new world. It was like as if I finished just uni. So for me, it has been about uh, filling that gap and understanding a bit more about the industry. And um, I, was, I was aware of that gap. So what I did in my first week in the job, I actually put myself through the traffic controller training. So I had a, a little something to, to show to you today. Um, now, when you do the training, you get the blue card and you start your collection. Um, it's your industry authority. Um, and it has been really amazing to be on the road and um, see what it is to be a traffic controller every day. And I could share so many stories about the abuse and the kind of stuff that you cope with, which is crazy. It is an amazing industry, but it is very fragmented. Um, we estimate that overall it's about $2 billion. And the first two companies in that space, they deliver about a quarter of that. Consistency, harmonization, consolidation are going to deliver some great benefits for the industry. Lee talked about the importance of pre-qualification, rethinking the nature of traffic management as a career and the two-way nature of road worker safety. If a traffic organisation, traffic control company, understands what their skills and competencies are through a pre-qual structure, then 
then the infighting and the price wars and whatnot can settle a little bit and the the project itself is targeting a pool of traffic organizations that are suitably equipped to handle the risk mm -hmm. of the road and the road environment. See, a lot of people in the traffic industry see traffic and, and in the construction industry see traffic as the risk and one of the highest risks on the job. But what if we flip the script in context of this forum today and say, is not the construction being present a hazard to the road user? So it's a double-edged sword that you need to consider in your planning. And having prequal allows for a selection criteria to suit the risks that are identified in that procurement, tender, and launch phase. And I think the, the second piece to that puzzle is the career. Turning traffic control from a job to a career is fundamental in retaining people, um, upskilling people, and it takes two sides to do that. It takes people in my chair to, to offer those opportunities and see the traffic organisation as a social procurement opportunity, but also in the traffic control companies as well to invest in their people. Jane and Lee talked about the need to continually lift standards across the industry when it comes to road safety and traffic management, with Lee sharing some of his experiences managing the Sydney Gateway project. I think that the objective should be to lift the whole industry and bring everybody with us. Um, and I think you can do that through education and collaboration and through the procurement process where you have standards in place for what we want in our, and for us, particularly for what we want to see on our roads and in our operations. And so um, I don't know how effective filtering out would work. It's more, I think it has to be a much more harmonised and collaborative approach to get us there. A lot of the way we work is um, try and work collaboratively with the various police forces in the states in which we operate and where we can share information. What we've watched over the last year as traffic has come back post COVID, and I'm sure everybody has experienced it, is where we were seeing a whole range of behaviours on the road and typical crashes, sideswipe, merging, rear end. Um, we are now seeing a lot of behaviours that are just outside the system, really dangerous behaviours, and a lot of distracted driving and a lot of very high speed. But with regard to road workers and incident management, we one of the big innovations we did was bringing in the use of TMAs in all circumstances. And because of our traffic control rooms, we have eyes on the road, which means that we can see what's happening. So if we need to close one lane, if we need to close two lanes, if we need one, two or three TMAs out there. And I think at the heart of that is having a really positive relationship with the companies that provide those services for us, because not Transurban, it's our contractors who are providing those services for us, and making sure we have really, really good communication within the groups and to understand what it is we're trying to achieve, which is essentially to keep you know, road workers safe and customers safe as well, because they're high-risk, high-speed environments. I remember back in my first few years training those tickets long, long time ago. I had this I had this vision of wanting to lift traffic control from the bottom of the totem pole and out of the pub to to being a valued contributor to to projects. And I get the sense that we are almost there. We are almost there. I think the industry 
itself, the traffic management industry, understands its importance in the big scheme of things. I think um, the mega projects and the bigger projects appreciate it because of the um, the procurement processes and the the pressure to to deliver high or low impact strategies to the network. But then that filters down as the jobs get smaller and smaller. So I think depending on what contractors are at what levels, uh, it's about, I think the next phase is the establishment of the tacit knowledge in the businesses to respect the traffic. You don't deal with the traffic, you manage the traffic. So a lot of people see the traffic as a barrier to the construction, but it draws it back in-house to the principal contractors to integrate the solution. And when we get there and and that's spread across the business internally, uh, the planning will start and then the planning will lead to better execution and the execution will lead and then you mix that into the culture and you'll get the better safety result. About eight weeks ago, we – well, it's a 60K road environment under temporary traffic mm-hmm. speed limits – um, and I adopted the principle from the get-go and this went right back to the start of the tender process where I priced in TMAs for, for this, this road environment and about eight weeks ago we were running a contra flow and there was no shoulder for the, for the boom to operate on. So these were all technological advances um, integrating into the, the temporary traffic management strategies and a taxi driver was in the contraflow and had to laterally shift back to their carriageway and just didn't do it, just drove straight into the back. And when you look at all the layers of what happened in that sequence, the, the traffic foreman put the boom in a live lane but protected it both ways with TMAs, little things like that. Mm. And this, this was a 40-kilometre-an-hour strike and, and shoved the truck two, two and a half metres. Full. The, the insight you get from CCTV is phenomenal. Um, we had a problem overcoming the, the big brother issue at the beginning of the project. And I knew that that transition culturally had changed when they started coming in saying, did you get that on camera? Did you get that on camera? Did you see that? Did you see that? And, and so coupling that visibility with third-party data to track travel times um, without having to put people on the road or counters or anything like that. We use radar-activated counters to to do volume assessments and speed. I mean, we're picking up people running along the main road at the head of the airport there at 130. So when you culminate the technology into the decision-making process, you understand the hotspots, you understand the behaviour of the network, you you understand the driver mentality and you can make more informed decisions. Matthew and Jane talked about innovations they are seeing emerge in the field and changes in the way traffic management is being undertaken, including through artificial intelligence. A personal favourite for, for me, without too much you know, research on, on, on that, would be the, um, the automatic truck cone. Mm. Um, so a few years back, um, I was in Brisbane and I was invited to this um, demo by Transurban. Uh, it was the uh, the radio guided cones. Uh, so there was a guy on the side of the road, and I thought that was really cool. Uh, and then I think about a year ago, um, 
one of the suppliers developed this um, this truck that um, deploys and retrieves cones um, as they go, you know, on a straight line pretty much. And they've got enough uh, technology in there to even put the taper line and get everything solid. So it goes in the sense of reducing, uh, it doesn't reduce the risk completely, but the exposure is reduced and the less time people spend on the road, especially on high-speed um, roads, um, mm-hmm. the safer um, traffic controllers are going to be. So, A lot of the things that we do when we go into maintenance shuts um, and they're, you know, they're executed at night, it impacts the broader network and so it's a lot of collaboration with you know, the various governments and coordination so that we can shut down and secure our road environment for works to be undertaken. And so one of the things we've tried to implement over the last few years, and we can't do it everywhere depending on the complexity of the tunnels that we have, um, but we do um, double shuts. So we shut both tubes. And the reason that we moved to shutting both tubes was because we have cross passages and people can actually go into a cross passage cavity and you need to know which side to get out on and you might walk out into live traffic versus walking out into a work zone. Um, But actually a double shut has impacts on the broader network. And so you have to work your way through all of those processes with safety being the absolute priority outcome for us um, to create the safest environment that we have. So that's one of our innovations. And we're now trying to expand that out into our open road network, which is obviously hard when they're, uh, you know, major arterial corridors because how do you shut segments and create the safest environment possible? But that's definitely going with the elimination mindset um, front of mind. Um, the other thing that we did, which um, West Connects has been a fabulous project to work on and a journey for many people over many, many years, but the team there led by Andrew Head um, were really innovative in how they tried to engage with the workforces and still are. We made our, we made our toolbox talks and we automate, um, we created illustrations or sort of video illustrations of how the traffic guidance schemes worked. And what we found through that when we had independent research done with those workers was that they actually understood what was happening in the work environment better. They could visualise it um, and they understood how when we were setting up work areas and how cones were to be laid out, they actually understood because they'd seen it visually and they'd had it talked through much better than just an individual standing at the front of a room and giving a a toolbox talk or a pre-start meeting. With the um, artificial intelligence, we've we've got a system now which is actually downloading all the data when incidents occur, so in incident response. And in that environment, it's actually feeding back into the control rooms what the best way is to manage that particular type of incident, TMAs, how 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 quickly, you know, we've got a thousand events that happen on our network a year, getting them cleared within 10 minutes, but how to set up um, the controls, how to get people off quickly, and then you know, how to learn from that each time, feeding that back in. And I think our role is to just share that knowledge as best we can as we as we get more substance behind it mm-hmm. um, and we know that it works, make sure we bring it out and share it to as many people as possible. And every driver thinks they're a great driver and everyone else isn't. And every driver thinks they, you know, follow the speed limit. And, I mean, we've just got evidence to show that 70% of people are moving through work zones at least 10 to 15 kilometres above mm-hmm. the speed limit anytime they go through. And so what we then do is try and feed that back in so that we prepare ourselves for those environments and try and get more enforcement on the network. We're working very hard 
with police forces to get enforcement on the network and we share data with them to say, you know, you talked previously about someone going at 130. You know, we've clocked people on the Tullamarine City Link at 180 um, and sharing that information, like just terrifying behaviours. Mm-hmm. Um, and normally at the same time, you know, 4.45 every morning. And, you know, they're the types of things that we can find and then try and get rid of on the network. With the Sydney Gateway project requiring a traffic control room, Lee highlighted the benefits for road safety compared with lower visibility and data work sites. The M4 job was 30 kilometres long and we're, we're in charge with incident response. We're not, we're not prepared for it. We're not skilled in it. We're not, we're, it's not our forte. We're working in, walking into a, a, a virgin road that we don't know. Um, and how it operates as as a as a contractor walking straight in, and there you go, that's all yours. It's like, well, like how how do we? And you 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 end up spending twelve months just learning how to deal with it. But if you can be fed the data or or have access to the data or have the data built into the procurement process um, or the facilities to do that, it reduces that enormously, mm. and you you're on the ball quicker seeing both sides of it you wouldn't hear about well you'd hear maybe something from someone ringing ringing it in and it'd take you 15 minutes to even get there returning to innovation matthew highlighted the work of queensland's department of transport and main roads through their connected and autonomous vehicle trials uh, the department of transport and main roads in um in Queensland, they've had this um, trial now for quite some time called CAVI, uh, the Connected and Automated Vehicle Initiative. And it's all about ITS. Uh, and it was in Ipswich, um, about an hour west of Brisbane. And they had this um, group of people like guinea pigs. Um, they had vehicles with you know, some ITS technology and, and that allowed both the vehicles and the drivers to be turned into smart vehicles and smart drivers. And the feedback was really fascinating. You know, there was a lot of stuff in there about, oh, you know, you're going too fast and the vehicle will tell you just slow down um, and school zones and, and whatnot. There was a lot of features in there. But one of the features that came on top in terms of the value add for the driver was to be informed ahead of time that about 200 meters ahead or, you know, 300 meters on the right, there was uh, roadworks. And they couldn't see that physically, but they were informed that Roadworks was on their way and they would slow down and they really loved it as a feature. So, yeah, I'd like that kind of technology to be more and more um, adopted and used in Australia because I think it does, it does add a lot of value to, um, to our road conditions. While industry and government are continually working collaboratively to develop safer work environments, Lee discussed some of the areas where improvements can be made. There's more we can do. There's still more we can do in the learning space about planning the works better, shortening up the jobs, focusing on the actual productivities. I mean, there are some tasks that are very hard, like grass cutting, where there's long, long closures and whatnot. But, but in a in a major project, there there can be very localized pockets of work, and how do they interface depending on the size of the road environment that you're doing the job on. It's about truly understanding the nature of the road in which you're about to commence the work on. There's always the diligence piece about covering signs and you know the the little procedural things that need to happen on a day to day basis. But that's that's subject to human human interface, not not the electronic stuff, but the the mechanical mm. stuff. So or the static static signs. So mistakes will always be made at both sides of the fence. 
so it's that that education piece to the driver the growth of knowledge and capacity within the the contractors and their subcontractors as a unified force with safety as the umbrella and and the strategies around trying to inform the driver whether that's smart vehicles or or variable message signs but the underlying rule is lines over signs they don't they don't read them it's alignment that is the key Finally, the role of design in establishing safer roadways and work sites was discussed, an area in which there is room for further innovation. Oh, it's critical, especially barriers. That's, a, that's an untapped world in, in the construction space. It's evolving and the acceleration of approved products is giving us more choice mm-hmm. for sure. But the level of or the evolution of understanding the importance that it plays we've had we've had a couple of significant strikes on on the gateway um already just drivers falling asleep and whatnot luckily not at super high speeds but the different products and how they act and react and how you how you get curves and and just little things like that how do you protect the 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 peers on either side of a intersection you taper them in, could still get penetration, smash into the infrastructure that you've just built, or you curve it off and block it off. Just little fascination, little fascinating things like that mm-hmm. that open up a whole world of opportunity to incorporate all the good work that's being done out there and applying it to the road. But then also taking the design principles when i get a design of a road a temporary road stage or whatnot it's just a red line on a drawing but that red line has curves that need to be met to to fit the design principle so if you don't go down to that depth of implementing the design to its full capacity then you are creating little windows of opportunity for vehicle strike penetration runoffs all those, all those factors. So, I think it's it's the first step in the whole process. Good design. That's where we'll leave this episode of the Hub. We hope this discussion has provided some insight into the work being undertaken across the industry to improve road safety outcomes. The men and women who work on our roadways are essential workers, maintaining and constructing the transport networks that allow us all to connect with friends, family, and the world around us. RA encourages everyone to raise awareness within their networks about the importance of being safe on our roadways and remaining committed to ensuring road workers return home safely at the end of each and every day. Thanks again, and remember to subscribe to The Hub on your podcast streaming service to keep up to date with these important industry discussions.